where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. I don't know about that. Get your breakfast raw. I guess if you're having cereal with milk, that would be kind of like a raw breakfast. Or if you're having like an orange or a banana for breakfast, I guess that's not too bad. What about overnight oats? You know, oatmeal that's not cooked, but instead refrigerated. Could that be considered raw? Yes, it could. Is it good? It's all right. I've never had it. I haven't either. Gets the job done. Okay. Gets the job done. But that's really <laughs> living, you. living it up. Nutritious. Huh? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not, you know, chocolate chip pancakes with some syrup and some butter. I mean, it's overnight oats. It's exactly what it sounds like. I don't, I, I'm trying to think of a raw, I guess sushi's raw, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I like sushi. So I'd be happy. I don't think I want to eat it at 730 in the morning, but hey. Like you said, it gets the job done. You know, I was in, uh, over the holidays, I was uh, in Asia. I went to Hong Kong and Thailand, and they have noodles for breakfast over there. Do they really? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, they're cooked, but. What did you think of the trip? Was it fun? It was amazing. I had a, I had a great time. Thailand is specifically very beautiful. Love the culture. Love the food. Um, loved it. I am not built to be on a plane that long. The, I'm not either. The sleep disruption for me when I got there was severe. When I came back, it took me so long to get normalized again. Um, I don't know how people travel like that regularly for work. It's amazing to me that people are able to do that. I can sleep on planes. Me too. I, I've got no problem sleeping on planes. Yeah, and for people that don't, I would assume that that's just got to be miserable. I have a friend of mine that travels overseas like that mm-hmm. to China and in various places, and they do business there, and... Um, it takes him, mm, I'd say, five days to get right. Wow! You know, when he comes back, it, it, you know, he's because it, it's opposite. So he's he's trying to. He's got kids too, so they get up early, and for him, he's exhausted. That's hard. So hard. The baseball travel is um, not easy at times. Oh, now, I'm sure. The accommodations are incredible. But like talking with Matt Carpenter last week on the show, he said, I'll never complain again about <laughs> a, a 3 a.m., 4 a.m. flight. I mean, because that's, you know, you think about how baseball, and it really has changed even when I am uh, started doing the games. Most of the time, not all, but most of the time, your getaway days were day games. So you're still getting into a city at a reasonable time. You know, sometimes, especially in the central time zone, you'd, you'd get in and you could go have dinner somewhere or go enjoy the city a little bit. Um, now, because TV dictates it all, we're playing night games. I mean, last year, for example, we're playing, uh, watching the Game 7 of the Blues, finishing up in Miami, and then traveling all night to New York and getting in at 4 in the morning. I mean, you do that all the time, and people don't realize that. I mean, I know they're... They're the pampered pro athletes, and they get this, that, and the other, and they're staying at a Ritz-Carlton. I get it. I mean, it's first-class accommodations. It's not like normal travel, but it's still, you're you're 
you're a human being. Your body needs to adjust no matter how you're traveling, and it's it's not easy. I give those guys a lot of credit to, to get through a full season. Well, and it's one thing because we talk all the time, and I know how just as a broadcaster it affects you, but then to think about getting out and performing an athletic activity oh, for five or six hours every day, especially you get in, like you say, at four in the morning, you're back at the ballpark at one, two in the afternoon, and then performing an athletic activity until 10 or 11 at night, that's going to take a lot out of you. I pound coffee. I really do. I mean, I'm drinking coffee at nine o'clock at night. Most nights I'm, I'm pouring a cup of coffee during the game at nine, nine thirty at night. Now I have little kids, so somewhat little, they're sleeping in now a little bit more, but for a long time, I'd get up with them. So, you, you know, you're up at 6, 30, 7, 8 o'clock, and Libby, my wife, does an amazing job of trying to keep them away from me so I can get a little sleep, but it does. It, it, it you know, it piles up on you. I, I always, she always says to me, she's like, when the fall hits, it takes you a month, and I don't realize it, but a month to kind of like just get back in the routine of being in their lives, sleep patterns, those kind of things, because you're just so used yeah. to the daily routine of how baseball works and that's I'm never going to complain about it again I miss it I I miss that part of it for sure I really do Matt Carpenter said he's never going to complain about a road trip again what is one thing that was a part of your daily routine that you dreaded that now you miss that you'll never complain about again oh man late late nights yeah I mean the late nights for sure I mean sometimes you get done with a game that took let's say it was a nine inning game and it took almost four hours okay that is a long baseball game with probably a lot of times a bad game associated with it, like errors, walks, hit by pitches. It's not sharp. It's just no flow. There, People say, well, there's not a flow to baseball. There is a flow to baseball. You can get into a flow. The, the pitcher really can dictate that. I'm never going to complain about that again. I, I don't care how long it takes. And I've always been one that when we're on the air, I, I learned this probably about midway through my career so far and hopefully it continues but that sometimes I would bring up time a game and I started thinking about that why am I bringing that up because if somebody's watching at home they don't care how long this is taking they're entertained by something that they're watching so shut up right Dan shut up don't complain about that and so I I became someone that stopped doing that and if people in the truck would say ah this is taking forever oh this is taking forever this guy I would say don't say it to me Honestly, don't say it to me. I do not want to be put in that mindset because there are people, and my job is to entertain, that are enjoying this. So don't don't be miserable on the air. Be happy that you're there. And I've always tried to be that way. I really do. I Even in the game in Arizona where I, I booked three different flights last year to mm-hmm. try to get home and try to make it home on an off day to see my kids. I was going to go leave early because the YouTube game was the next day, so it would give me two days off. Um, I had a flight at like 11, at 12:30, and I think there was one at 1:10, and I missed them all. Oh, and then man. I could, and there was something going on in Phoenix where I couldn't find a hotel room, so I stayed at a place that literally had roaches on the floor. Oh my! Yeah, there was the only place I could get to find a bed that had. I just needed a couple hours sleep. I was going to take the first flight out and go. That's just part of the, the deal. That's part of how we travel. Um, One of the craziest travel times I ever had was doing a game in Vancouver for the Blues. I was doing the Blues and the Cardinals. Am I boring you guys? No, this is great. This is great. um, And it was one of the first baseball games I ever did. And so I had to go from Vancouver to Seattle, Seattle cross-flight to Chicago, Chicago down to West Palm, and then do the game the next day. And I remember being on on the flight, and this is pre-9-11, and it was a puddle jumper, 
and this guy had a neck brace on. It was like out of airplane the movie, and it's, <laughs> the storms are, and the plane is going every which way, and I don't get sick on flights. And this poor guy, we hit a bump, and his head hit the ceiling of the puddle jumper on his neck, and I just remember him going, like that, and I thought, is it really worth it? Do I need to go to West Palm? I, I don't know. I mean, the poor guy just is got a broken neck or whatever, and he's dealing with a neck brace. His head hits the top of the ceiling, and then eventually I made it down there, and, and it was fine. And that's when Joe Buck told me um, on the air he wanted to talk about A.J. Burnett's nipple rings. And so at that point I thought, well, I'm fired, because he brought that up on the air. It was one of my first schemes. A.J. Burnett had them. It, it was factual. It yeah. was factual. So he knew I was really nervous and really uptight, and they brought Joe in, and Joe was doing radio, and I'm working with Al, and, and maybe Shannon came over too, but they were just trying to kind of, you know, here's Dan. He's going to be doing some baseball, whatever. So, you know, I'm doing the play-by-play, and Joe just says, hey, Dan, I got a, you know, something like this. He's like, I got a question for you. So, yeah, Joe, what do you got? He's like, um, what do you think of those uh, nipple rings that A.J. Burnett's wearing? I And at that point in time, it wasn't like really kosher to talk about nipple rings or any mm-hmm. type of piercings, as we've seen now, Randy, with his tattoo. I mean, yeah. you can talk about tattoos now. You, you know, it's fair game. And I, I guess I turned white, even though I was red as a lobster being down mm-hmm. in the sun in Florida and hadn't been down there. And so we got into nipple rings. I said, well, I think it's interesting. It's not my choice of what I'd probably do, but uh, how about you? And then he just went off, and we started talking, and I think Al was like, you know, whatever, and that was it. Then <laughs> we just kept doing the game. That's Danny Mac. We're going to cross it over to Scoops with Danny Mac next. Uh, on Stories. ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Danny Mack hosted the announcement of the Cardinals Hall of Fame electees on Friday night. Were you surprised? I was. I thought Keith Hernandez would get in. Um, It's an omission that I think needs to be fixed. Mm -hmm. Um, And I get it. I I had a lot of people over the week, I'll talk about it on the show, that want to see him get in. I am one of them. I have been polling for him. I think that, all the. first of all, it's almost like the Harold Baines thing when he got in. I don't like to see the negativity that surrounded guys that get in. They they should be lauded for their efforts and for what they've done for the organization, and they deserve it. Let's let's not overlook the fact that Tommy Hur and John well, Tudor deserve to be in. And for people that aren't aware of this, in the 80s, you had Ryan Sandberg. If Ryan Sandberg isn't there for that entire decade, Tom no Hur is clearly the best second baseman in the National League. And batted third on a, on a very good team, a great yeah. lineup. Eight home runs and 110 RBIs the one season. I mean that's that's getting it done, and he did a lot of the little things too. I, I you know, baseball's different now in how it's played and how that position is really looked at too. And mm-hmm. certainly the shortstop position, as offensive numbers have become more prevalent, but you know, led the league in fielding percentage multiple times. But the other thing that he did with the speed of those great teams, how many times, Randy, and you know this, and Michelle, you you were watching it too. How many times did he give himself up? You know, pulling a ball Mm -hmm. to the right side to move a runner over or bunt or those kind of things. And that's how the game was played with Whitey Ball, and um, that's why he should be in. And Tudor's career in five years is not given enough credit that it deserves. His winning percentage was over 700. Now think about that, 700 winning percentage in five years on really good teams. And without Dwight Gooden doing what he did, Mm -hmm. he went to Cy Young. So, you know, I I think that uh, they both deserve to be in. Keith Hernandez will get in. Yeah. 
and and it's it's probably you know I know he was very close two years ago. Came down to the wire. My understanding, it came down to the wire on this one too. They had over one hundred thirteen thousand votes, a record vote as they wow. expanded it for nine weeks. Well, everybody's on their phone or at sure. home, right? So people had stuff to do. Why not vote on the Hall of Fame? And I think anybody that's listened to me, whether it's on the games or on the show or doing the hits on the station, I, I've been pulling for Keith Hernandez. He deserves to be in. His war, I think, is in the top 10 all-time in Cardinals history mm-hmm, or top 15. So he, he's going to get in. It'll be a great day. It's just, you know, let's give the credit to where credit's due for the two guys that got in. By the way, I looked it up because we talk, some people don't care about wins and losses for pitchers. And... Even when you just take the Cardinals' record when John Tudor started games, and that includes for bad teams in 1986 and 1990. That 90 team was rough. 86 and 42 yep. was his was the Cardinals' record in games he started in five and a half years. A 670 winning percentage for the team in games he started. And the ERA, correct me if I'm wrong, 2.52? Yep, yeah. best ever. So best ever in Cardinals' history. So if you don't want to go on wins and losses, ERA is still... A, a pretty big measure of a pitcher, 2.52. You'd take that any day of the week, wouldn't you? Yeah, and what he did against really good teams, what he did against the Mets especially, a really good lineup, was remarkable. I talked to to John. Um, I've gotten to know him fairly well over the years at uh, the Cardinals Fantasy Camp, and I said, what what happened when you had that unbelievable run in 1985? And uh, the, the story is well documented, but he... He kind of poo-pooed it to me this year, which was mm. interesting when he talked about he had a guy that, that found a mechanical flaw watching the game of the week, um, and they were on, and, and he was doing something with a little hitch in his delivery, and his delivery was pretty simple, kind of rock back and go. Um, and he said, you know, I know a lot of people point to that, he said, and and I did change it, he said, but basically, he said, I wasn't that bad in the games I was losing. And he said that kind of gets forgotten. It was mm-hmm. one in seven start, and then he went 21 and one or whatever it was. Right. Um, he said, so there was a flaw, but really I wasn't, he goes, I, I felt pretty good all year. It wasn't just the, the eight games that people look at the record and the tough start. He said, I was okay. He said, it just kind of clicked. And it did click, and he was awesome. And we talk about Chris Carpenter or Bob Gibson and how competitive they were in his, his in his own way. He was a really competitive baseball oh, player, too. Little edge to him. Yeah. Kind of a mean dude. Didn't want to uh, mess with him. And he still kind of has that edge, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just an you know, Eastern guy. And I get a kick out of it. I give him trouble all the time. And, and uh, I really like John Tudor. I, I've become, uh, like I said, I, I'd like to say acquaintances and mm-hmm. friends um, over the years because he's great at fantasy camp because he's got that edge down there, too, yeah. with some of the people that you know are paying big money to be there. And they're like, okay, you want the experience? Here it is. That's John <laughs> Tucker. You know, but he, he's great with the, the campers, and he's a lot of fun to be around. So, and he'll be on the show tomorrow. Oh, great. And in 85, during the World Series, somebody and he did not suffer fools well. He did not like to answer stupid questions. So somebody from the national media asks what he perceived as a stupid question. He said, what do you need to get one of these credentials? A driver's license? Did he really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, grabbed, be... he, he just grabbed the credential. You know, he's uh, around the guy's neck. What do you need to get one of these? A driver's license? That's like Bryce Harper yeah. crest, uh, question, <laughs> yeah. bro. That would have gone viral if it was uh, <laughs> right. around today. Oh, but big that's time. great. Because, that, I mean, you're talking about one of the preeminent pitchers of his era yeah. in that time saying that kind of thing. That's a big deal. <laughs> It's a really big deal. I look so. at so many different players like that, and I wonder what their reputation would have been in the social media oh. era. Oh, man. I think uh, 
Yeah. Like, I wonder what Brett Hull would have been like in the social media oh, era. Oh, that would have been epic. I'm frightened. <laughs> uh, there, with, you know, the thing is, too, Michelle, is guys are smarter about what they do, at least for the most part, away from the field. Because they know every one of these people, the average American is a reporter mm-hmm. because you're carrying mm-hmm. a phone. And you can put it out anywhere you want. So you're sitting at a bar, a restaurant, you're at a place that maybe you don't want to be at late at night and somebody sees you and they put that stuff out. I just think guys, and I think organizations too, I know the Cardinals have done this with the core program. They bring in their top prospects and they go through everything, like what you're doing on the field, uh, what your nutrition is like, what are you doing on your social media pages? Here are the guys that want to tell you about their experiences you know, like Isringhausen comes back, a guy that's done so much with the organization, but all the surgeries he had and what rehab is like, what being a young person with a lot of money is like, how careful you need to be. I mean, they really do their due diligence in trying to to prepare these guys in all organizations, in all walks of life of sports are doing that because you have to, because if not, it's there, it's out there and you can't take it back. Mm-hmm. Don't it's hit tough. sand. Would they? That, that was uh, Herman Edwards. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. I, I think um, I think it'd be fascinating too with some of the coaches in the social media era. Mm-hmm. You know, that would have been interesting too. You know, I mean, like, like Whitey would take his guys out fishing in the morning and you know have a couple sandwiches and a couple beers and then tell yeah. them to go take a nap and come to the ballpark. You know, oh, and they wow. talk about the game. Uh-huh. You know, could you imagine that happening now? No. 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 Whitey said when Bruce Suter left, he said, if they would have just let me take Bruce fishing, I could have negotiated the deal during a, a morning of fishing. Yes. And we could have kept Bruce Suter with the Cardinals. I mean, that's the kind of relationship he had with his players. And now times have changed, clearly. Uh, coaches and managers are getting to the ballpark literally at 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. It's crazy in my mind. I think it's way too much, but that's how they do it. And we know that football coaches sleep in their offices at mm-hmm. night, but that's the relationship that these guys had with their players. And it's not to say they, 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 they're they not tight with their players. It's just a different way of doing it. it and, really Tory, and by the way, Tory historically as a manager, really underrated here because the teams, what he got out of those teams was outstanding. But he always said, and it was more important in New York than here, but he said, you'll never read something in the paper before I tell it to you. Mm-hmm. And that that's a really important thing, that if, if there was something involving an A-Rod or a Jeter or a Rivera or whatever, you'll never hear about, you'll never read about it in the paper before you hear it from me. Well, I think that's what makes Mike Schilt really good with this team, is they have built a culture inside that clubhouse that he is He's there to, quote-unquote, protect them in many ways, whether it be on the field or in the media. And there's there's more media now than there's ever been. Like, when I first started doing games, it was myself, Rick Hummel, Mike Shannon, you know, my partner, uh, Joe Buck, whatever, who was traveling with the team. That was it. Mm-hmm. You know, our director, Tom Mee, and, you know, we work for the club, in a way, to try to make sure we present the right story to the fans. But, you know, we weren't out digging for stories and trying to, dig up the muck we, we didn't care about that kind of stuff you know and we'd see guys at different places and that's fine live your life yeah that's part of i think also what's going on now we don't let these guys live their lives no. and that's why they're protected as much as they are and that's an that's an unfortunate part of the bad side of of pro athletics and and also everybody having a phone they can't live their life we're looking forward to scoops with danny mack here 
I'm looking forward to it, too. We got, uh, I think it's going to be interesting. David Kaplan is going to come on from ESPN 1000 in Chicago. I used to do a lot of basketball with David. Actually did a game with him uh, last winter. But want to get into the last dance. Also get into the Sammy Sosa perspective of the 30 for 30. And if the Cubs would be selling off a lot of their parts when baseball comes back. Mm. Not if. When. When. Should be interesting. Stay positive. When.